0: Relax, be heard, and be understood. It's a show where men can be men. Now here's the coach who has your back, Linda Gross.
1: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. I am fired up to tell you about today's show. We're going to be swimming with the sharks alongside my special guest today, Ray Ibarra, who is an author, entrepreneur, panel presentation producer, moderator, and of course, he's a media pro. His current book, which we're going to dive into, Crush It Successfully, is available on Amazon, and you can see my links below. You can just click on it to uh, open it up and, and read further and hopefully get it. Um, he Ray is going to show us how to generate income and achieve entrepreneurial entrepreneurial success. So, how are we going to do that? Well, he's going to be talking about how to find out what you're good at and how to make it a business. So he was really in the shark tank because not only did he do all of this, which we're going to get into in just a moment, but he did it with a chronic illness. So let's welcome Ray to the show. Hi, Ray. How are you today?
2: I'm uh, doing just great, Linda. Thank you so much uh, for this wonderful opportunity. Uh, I've been looking forward to it for a while now.
1: Awesome. All right. So um, just want to give a little more background that you have toured with some of the most successful Shark Tank entrepreneurs. That should perk up everybody's interest. And you have partnered with organizations for small business entrepreneurs, college business students and more. So, tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get involved um in Shark Tank and sh- show us how that related to your uh rheumatoid ar- ar- arthritis. Sorry, big <laughs> big word. I'm getting tongue tied today.
2: Okay, I'll 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 uh I'll do my best here to uh answer those questions for you. Yeah. Uh, You know, I got involved uh, with uh, the Shark Tank entrepreneurs actually a number of years ago now. And uh, it it started, Linda, because I was uh, watching the show one night um, and there was a couple of entrepreneurs uh, that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, Rick Hopper of Readerest Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, the Ice Chips Candies entrepreneurs, um, uh, Bev Vines-Haines and her partner. And I, I really was compelled by their stories. Uh, they were just really fantastic. You had the, these these two um, older entrepreneurs. They called they're called uh, two grannies in a garage. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then you had this guy over here who developed a, a, a really cool product. That uh, it's a magnetic product that you just uh, it's a little clip and you put your glasses. Up, uh, you 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 hold your glasses there on your shirt. It's a little magnetic clip. And uh, both of those um, entrepreneurs really struck a chord with me. So I said, well, I like to, uh, at that time I was producing a podcast and I said, I would like to really talk to them and get their stories.
0: Yeah. So uh,
2: the very next morning, Saturday morning over a cup of coffee, uh, I was doing my research and then all of a sudden this idea, this title of this book uh, hit me all of a sudden. And I had to write it down because I was uh, just floored by what, uh, what came to me. And there was a little there was a business card right next to me and I turned it over and it was blank. So I scribbled the name of the title of the book on the back of that card. And that started this whole process. It was a uh, conversations with Shark Tank winners. And um, and so uh, I started to do research immediately to see if anybody had that title uh, of, of a book and they didn't. I went to the copyright uh, website uh, publisher's copyright website, uh, registered the name, and then I went directly to GoDaddy and and uh, registered uh, conversations with Shark Tank winners. Nobody had it. Wow. And within an hour, I had all of it. And then uh, that's how this whole journey of working with the Shark Tank entrepreneurs began. I started um, – uh, b- before I called uh, the entrepreneurs, I had a friend of mine that um, I had produced a, a segment with him the year before. He was on a program called uh, Secret Millionaire, which was on ABC TV that followed Shark Tank uh, one, one year. It was on one summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a show where they uh, these very, very, very successful entrepreneurs would go undercover in local neighborhoods and seek out organizations that were doing really great work within the community and then at the end of the show, they would reveal who they were. And then they would write out these massive um, uh, amounts of money, these massive checks to the uh, organizations out of their, own, of their own money. And there was a guy on there named Steve Kaplan. <clears throat> excuse me. And I saw his segment and I really, really loved his segment. I said, I, gotta, I have to talk to him. I want to produce a podcast with him. So I called him up and uh, he agreed to do it. And he really, really loved the podcast that he, that he put it up on his, uh, his website. And, I mean, Steve is one of the most successful entrepreneurs on the planet. I mean, he's a two-time New York Times bestselling author. And he sold his company for uh, $1.2 billion. And, wow. Uh, and, um, and so I called him up. It had been about a year since I talked to him. And I, I told him my idea for this book and what I wanted to do. I wanted to produce it in a multimedia format meaning that it was going to have written audio and video segments within the uh, the, the book. Mm-hmm. And he said, boy, Ray, that is a fantastic idea. That's a kick ass, kick ass idea. You go ahead and do it and I'll support you any way that I can. And um, so I proceeded with, with calling the uh, entrepreneurs from Shark Tank up and I had about 14 of them. And then I proceeded to produce that book. Um, and Prior to that, I had been diagnosed with uh, severe rheumatoid disease back uh, in about five years prior, about 2004, 2005, somewhere around there, around that time. And uh, so it, it turned my world upside down, Linda. I mean, talking about uh, uh, affecting you physically and emotionally and mentally, uh, this is a crazy, crazy illness that just affects your whole body i could I could spend hours on what it does to you and how it how it affects you wow and so i was um uh I was in and out of the doctors uh eventually uh I had just horrendous experiences with my doctors and those people that uh, uh I went to go apply for my disability benefits, and I was turned away and mm-hmm. I had no uh income coming in i couldn't do anything and it was a horrible horrible experience uh we were, we were i was thrown under the bus by the people that uh, i was uh, uh, expecting to get help from the medical profession and uh, the people in power that uh, uh, issue and distribute your your benefits mm-hmm. and um, i was basically treated by both of them like a criminal for being ill wow. it was horrible it was awful and so I was almost out on the streets. I lost everything. Uh, we have had to declare bankruptcy. It was a horrible, horrible time. And so what had happened was um, I, um, I was uh, working through my illness the best way that I could. And then when this project came up, uh, it gave me a lot of uh, hope. It gave me a lot to look forward to. Uh, and something that I believe that can pull me out of the situation that I was in. And um, and from there, I began my journey and work with the incredible Shark Tank entrepreneurs. Whew. Wow, what a journey.
1: So tie this into your illness. Like, How did you become successful in the work environment? with such physical debilities there holy cow
2: it was difficult and it still is difficult uh, I practically live at my rheumatologists um, <laughs> because I have a severe I have a severe case yeah. in it. Uh, okay uh, just to show you how severe it is Linda um, you know when I went in for my tests um, a, a strong positive uh, there's two tests it's called a rheumatoid factor that uh, lets uh, shows up uh, the presence Of the disease in you and then there's the CCP test that uh, measures how aggressive it is Mm -hmm. and so the rheumatoid factor uh, a a a, positive regular test is um, under 10 and a strong positive if you test strong positive it's 60 well my test came in at 197 it was just off the charts and then the other test a, a regular we test regular everything's okay it's under 20 and that test came in at 149 so wow. I had severe uh, rheumatoid disease and, and my doctor put me immediately on a powerful biologic infusion program uh, you know they give you the intravenous uh, uh, IV so it can go directly quickly into your bloodstream and, 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 and begin to work right away now the only problem with um, the only problem with uh, rheumatoid uh, disease is that th- there's no cure for it. The only thing that you can do is slow down the disease. And mm-hmm. because I have a very aggressive form of it, it uh, I'm, I'm on my sixth biologic now over the last four plus years, and I'm at the very end of what they can do for me. They can't do any more for me. Are they going to start damaging my body with all of these powerful anti-inflammatories, uh, biologics, um, you know, and, and other, uh, other powerful drugs. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's somewhat contained, but when I say somewhat contained every morning, when I get up, I'm in physical pain and, and swelling every day. There's not a day goes by when I get up in the morning and I am, I'm feeling, I'm feeling really bad. Mm -hmm. So it's just one of those things that if I didn't have this calling and this vocation that I was given, Uh, Then I would just be moping around and the the pain and everything would be worse. This this gives me a lot of hope. I have something to look forward to that's using my my natural talents and gifts. And um, and so it it gives me energy to get up. It gives me energy and hope for a better day and a better future.
1: Wow, what a story. I mean, (laughs) if you can do it, we all can. And oh, my gosh uh I, I can't wait to hear more all right my audience if you've just uh joined our show today our topic is swimming with the sharks we're actually here with someone who toured the country with successful Shark Tank contestants, right? So he's going to teach us how today on finding your energy, finding what you're good at, and how can we translate this into a successful business. All right, so um, if you want to call in on this topic with a comment or question of Ray, please do so. Our call-in number is 323 642-1677, 323-642-1677, 642-1677, 323-642-1677, or I can see you right here on the chat line, blogtalkradio.com, blogtalkradio.com forward slash DT Linda Gross, forward slash DT Linda Gross. All right, we're going to catch you right back after the break.
0: linda gross wants you to know what turns a woman on and makes her go wild so she just can't help herself check out linda's book mastering women real truth about women that'll change your life forever linda gives you all the insider tips on how to catch a woman and if you want to keep her in four easy steps these proven techniques will make women just melt ever wonder why the girl you really liked
1: Welcome back, everybody. You're currently on with me, your host, Linda Gross. We are talking to my special guest today, Ray Ibarra, who is an author and entrepreneur. And our topic today is swimming with the the sharks. Ray, if you please, I think I have a caller on the line. We have Bob on the line all the way from Australia. Hi, Bob. Do you have a question or comment on this topic for us?
3: Yeah. Um, first off, can you hear me? Okay.
1: Yeah, we hear you great.
3: Oh, great, great. Yeah, uh, nice to be back with you, Linda, and uh, good day, Ray. Um, what can I say? Similar journey, my friend. Um, I turned seventy a couple of weeks ago, and it's like you know, I finally come alive, and like like you, uh, you found your mission. Well, my mission is to eradicate suicide and from my own personal journey i know that it's doable and since i last spoke to you linda i haven't been quiet i've been i've written three books and wow. an audio book yeah and and i thought well i've written the books and that's it you know that's it job done but <laughs> that's not the case in this real one now I'm, I'm in the process of learning how to market them
0: mm-hmm. and
3: and and it's just another tool that i'm using to get my message out there that um, about the gift of depression and that there is there is nothing wrong with you, you know. Um, and also appearing on shows like yours helps me spread the word to the masses. So I'm not in there to make millions, um, but I wouldn't mind getting some sort of financial recompense for the work that I've done. And um, uh, yeah, so I need to learn how to market uh, my books effectively. But as a word of encouragement, Ray, um, you know, I, I suffered from depression from about 1984 and was addicted to all those antidepressants and finally found my way through by feeling my way through, not thinking my way through. Mm-hmm. So about 15 years ago, I threw away all pharmaceuticals. I ate cold turkey. And, I, went, and um, uh, I also took full responsibility for my life. And also, I stopped wearing shoes. <laughs> and over, since the last 15 years, I haven't had a sniffle. Returning to natural remedies has really, really um, would help me. But um, i will be interesting to see. I'm currently doing a course on marketing, which is um, offered by um, a colleague you've probably heard of, uh, Mark Atwood, who's uh, running a free marketing course. But, yeah, any hints and tips? But the trouble is now, all this stuff for me is headspace, you know, and I live in art space, and it it makes my head spin. There's got to be a simple, loving way of getting my message out there. Okay, I'll shut up now, Ray. I can go on for hours, but I would love to (laughs) renew our connection after the show. That would be great, mate.
1: Bob, I, I love your tangent. In fact, Ray and I met on a marketing uh, platform, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you that link. It's called Be Seen Boot But like they say, writing a book, which all of us are authors now, um, you know, it's only 10% effort with regard to the creative effort. The whole other 90% is how is it marketed? Because if no one knows what your product or service is, it's a big who cares so anyway I'll follow up with you Bob on that tangent but uh, let me have uh, Ray address um, you know you've got that mutual thing in common with regard to illness and how to be a success despite that despite despite the debilitating condition
2: Uh, yeah and and, uh, Bob congratulations on on everything you know, I speak about this a lot in my book, how I powered through my illness uh, uh, and um, and began to uh, work with all of these great uh, entrepreneurs and, and uh, from Shark Tank and also partner with some uh, of the biggest organizations for small business entrepreneurs, uh, business professionals, college entrepreneurship programs, uh, CEOs and more. And so I. Uh, I lay out a, a specific uh, plan about what I did and I, I and I leave that blueprint there for others to uh, take what I have done and you mold it and you shape it into your particular situation because that's unique to you. But I leave concrete examples about how I did all of this and how I marketed my first book and, and let me share something with you. My first book, because I didn't know that much about marketing, it, it, uh, that was years ago. It was about 10, 11 years ago. Uh, I didn't sell many books, but what it did do was that when people and organizations found out that I had written this book and what the content uh, was uh, uh, pertaining to the Shark Tank entrepreneurs and my work with them, I was contacted by... Uh, so many of these wonderful organizations uh, and then uh, I made a deal with them and toured the US so out of that book though I didn't sell much I was able to partner with uh with these uh wonderful organizations and uh and create some lasting relationships so uh, you know when you when you write a book uh, I believe that uh, you know there that's there's different aspects to um to marketing and 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 for me uh what i did was i was able to put together my entrepreneur panel presentations uh featuring a variety of wonderful shark tank entrepreneurs in different cities throughout the united states and some fantastic venues and so uh the book was a lead-in for me to make to to make these partnerships and to separate myself as yeah this is the guy that uh uh, works with the Shark Tank entrepreneurs and is sharing these fantastic stories. And um, and people, you know, really wanted to find out what these entrepreneurs did uh, to get on the show, what their personal struggles were, how they overcame challenges and so much more. And I became the guy to do that for them. So when you write a book, uh, I always believe that you play to your strengths. Uh, you know, and 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 my book is uh, uh, crush it successfully. How to find what you're great at, not good at, but how to find what you're great at, and that's very important because we are, I believe, good at some things or many things, like we can multitask. But what is that one thing that we are absolutely great at that comes maybe natural to us or? or we're inclined that we gravitate toward that. And for me, it was sharing stories. Yeah. I love sharing stories of ordinary people in the most positive, powerful, uplifting sense of the word, ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And that's why I, w- I gravitated toward the shark tank entrepreneurs, because all you see is about 10 minutes of their segment on the show. But I wanted to get, The full story and I wanted to share their stories and they trusted me and honored me to share their to work with them and to share their stories with the world so for me it was about sharing the stories it was about telling the world what was going on in their lives and what what they were doing and so for me it all started with the story and it 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 continued and it still continues to this day now for you it may be It may be something different. I don't know. But this is why I wrote my book, because I I show you my examples and I leave a blueprint, but it's up to you to mold it
3: to how you want it
2: to work for you. And that's where you need to do the work to find out
3: whatever that is. Well, can I respond, Ray? Go ahead. Yeah. Um, What you're saying uh, resonates so strongly with me, Um, for I believe – that simply by sharing our own stories we help to heal each other, and everyone holds a piece of the puzzle. Um, and what I am incredibly passionate about is saving lives.
1: Mm.
3: This this myth of mental illness that's been killing lo- legally killing us since 1880 is just a whole scam, and that's um, that's my conclusion that I've come to after working on this since 1984 both as um, a sufferer and a survivor. And so, yeah, you know, I'm
2: not going to quit. I'm sorry, there was a, uh, uh, an essay by uh, the French essayist. Uh, his name was Alphonse. Uh, I, uh, I think his last name was Duode. Uh, I, I, I might be pronouncing it wrong, but uh, he wrote something that, that resonates with all of us that are going through some kind of pain in, in whatever form, and he said, pain is always new to the sufferer, but loses its originality for those around him. Everyone will get used to it except for me, and that's what we go through, uh, whatever illness and whatever disease we have, uh, and that's why our work in our different fields is so important. It's it's a matter of how we're going to get that message out, and uh, I hope uh, that um, you pick up a copy of my book to learn the different ways that you can do that because your message is so important and I congratulate you on, on your success in, in, uh, in your life and, uh, with your book and with your, with your project.
3: Well, thanks Ray. I'll just close with this statement. Um, where I am now, I believe that my body is so much smarter than me mm-hmm. and all I have to do is, is listen to it. Mm-hmm. And when I didn't, to it, it in 1984 it just went whack and that's when I had my first panic attack and now I I totally listen to and obey my body because my body knows what it needs and and life is supposed to be simple isn't it you know the kiss principle keep it simple sovereign so great connecting with you Ray and uh, look forward to catching up with you in the future and Linda thanks for letting me share
1: of course, Bob. Thanks for uh, dialing in, and luckily we caught you at a good time this time. <laughs> it's uh, you were saying it's eight in the morning, so that's that's a pleasant time for you. You didn't have to stay up in the middle of the night. Um, and I think just to piggyback off of what Ray was saying, I think you know everyone writes a book for a different reason. I mean, one person's reasons might be that you want to sell, you know, a high unit. Volume of your book, right? But I think what Ray was saying is that sometimes for some people, maybe that's not the goal, maybe to use it as a stepping stone to do something else. So it could be a stepping stone to do a live presentation and maybe speak before 100 people, 300 people, or what have you. Or maybe it might lead to something greater in the future that you could use as a calling card for something great in the future. So it's not the be-all, end-all. Uh, you know, it opens door. Being an author definitely opens a lot of doors, and it's up to you to crack open the door and see where that leads you.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. It's one part of a, of a whole picture. You know, it's a, it's an important, very important piece of, of the picture, but it, it's one part of it. Uh, uh, and, you know, when I was uh, approached to tour with these great uh, organizations, uh, well, let me backtrack on, on this, you know, uh, years before that, back in 2000, I think it was 2001 or 2002, b- before my illness, um, I had uh created and produced uh, my two-hour call-in live and talk uh, radio show on one of the major uh, talk radio stations that's still here in Los Angeles, 870 KRLA uh, mm-hmm. talk radio. And um, I produced and, and, and hosted um, uh, my two-hour call-in live show. And many of the guests, uh, I, I had very little experience. I probably had about two months of internet uh, pre- uh, internet radio experience uh, when I got the gig.
0: Yeah. And
2: um Right away, I was able to um, uh, attract major, major talent on my show. Uh, I went to the uh, at that time, Oprah Winfrey was dominating the daytime television Mm -hmm. and uh, my show was about health and wellness. So I was basically able to get all of the guests that starred on her show that were on her show on my program, on my radio program. Wow. Without hardly uh, any experience. And I remember my first segment that I produced was with uh, the uh, the great uh, author and um, expert in in mind-body medicine at that time he was just huge Uh, is dr. Deepak Chopra oh sure and and, uh, that was my very first segment that I produced uh, uh, for my show and uh, so I was able to find uh, what I was really great at right away we started getting wonderful reviews and I put some of these reviews in my book so people can read them and they can see that, yeah, OK, well, this is uh, when, when you find uh, what you're great at, uh, then a lot of wonderful uh, things start to happen for you when doors start opening up for you. So that's why it's really important to find that it's, it's not easy to do. Um, I was studying to be a therapist uh, and uh, fell into radio uh, because I was studying to be a therapist and a friend of mine. Uh, who was a very successful commodities broker where I was working in Century City here in Los Angeles. Uh, he uh, he was a scriptwriter, so he came down to to uh, uh, the shop where I was working, and he found out what I was doing, and he says, "Hey, well, can you come and speak to uh, uh, this group of 70 commodities, commodities brokers? Uh, m- my boss wants more production and more sales out of them." And uh, so I went up and I spoke to a room full of about 70 commodities brokers, and, and it was an incredible experience. And then uh, he took me to, to lunch and said they wanted to know more about my work. And that's when he suggested I go on radio. And, hmm. um, and then from there, that's, uh, you know, the rest is history. I ended up going, I ended up uh, doing, uh, doing major radio, major, major talk radio.
1: What a fascinating story. All right. So um, anyway, if if you're still there, Bob, I, I just want to say thanks again for calling in and we'll catch you next time and I'll definitely want to follow up on your topic as well. All right, um, Ray, it's a good segue to get into and to tell our audience uh, just how is it that they're supposed to be finding what they're great at, uh, one of my life coaches uh, said to me somebody that was in our boot camp group actually said that she and her husband used something called a Clifton strengths um, uh, test or something like that. I don't know if you're familiar with that test or if there's or if there are other yardsticks that you use to find out what it is you're good at
2: well i uh, I know from my experience i, I never used any of that um, Linda I know that there's a lot of great tools out there uh that can help you with that
1: mm-hmm.
2: but for me it it is uh always been uh i've always kind of followed my instincts on this uh when uh, i've always tried i've tried different things and I believe that uh if you are very committed and consistent in your search for what it is that you are great at that you're eventually going to find what that is and that's how i found uh uh what uh my talent and what i was great at uh, which is being behind a microphone and being producing content uh, being a media professional mm-hmm. um uh, and 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 it leaves signs you know right away uh as i was uh mentioning uh, just a few minutes ago a lot of the guests that I had on my show, they, there was, a, there was a, a gentleman that I had, a best-selling author. His name was Dr. Marty Becker. He was uh, the ABC TV's uh, pet uh, pet doctor. Um, oh. And he had a, a big segment on ABC TV for a number of years uh, with animals. And he's a best-selling author as well and um, really big. And so I had him on as a guest. He, did a, he wrote a, a wonderful book called The Healing Power of Pets. And um, so we went on a commercial and on the the commercial break, when he came back right in the middle, right when we were coming back from a commercial break, he said on air, he said, Ray, he said, "Uh, I want to just tell you that I'm on. I've been on thousands of radio shows and and television shows, and I want to tell you that your program is absolutely one of the best I've ever been on. And it totally caught me off guard, Linda, because uh, I was not expecting that at all. Um, and so you will, you will get feedback and, and, and you will get markers to let you know that, that, uh, that you are on the right path. And for me, I kept getting these wonderful – we kept getting these wonderful testimonials and, uh, and uh, things of that nature that let me know this is the path that you need to be pursuing. This is what you need to be doing. But you have to pay attention to it. You have to be uh, really aware of it because more often than not, uh, you, your, your path is going to lead you down multiple, um, multiple uh, uh, pathways before you find what it is that actually you're great at. You can think for me, I thought I was going to be a therapist,
1: for uh-huh.
2: example, uh, but it didn't turn out to be that way. It turned out to be that I, my special and unique gift was in was in media and sharing stories. And so uh, I had to pay attention to that. I paid attention to that and I left, I left school and everything. And I, I pursued this with everything, um, uh, that I have. And, um, and it's important to be aware of that. It's important to be aware that, uh, many times you're going to, you're going to start off thinking it's going to be one thing, but it's going to lead you down a path and you have to be aware of it and, uh, and, and go through those different paths and, and, and those journeys. And eventually, you will end up and find what it is that you are great at uh, uh, to pursue your career.
1: Right. I mean, sometimes that could come in six months. Sometimes it could come in years or even decades later. I mean, just good to have an awareness because that means you're a seeker. You're always looking for it, which is always a good thing. But it doesn't necessarily land on your doorstep right away. In fact, I got I got a... Uh, message from one of my fans, and she had this question to pose to you. She couldn't be on live today, but here's her question. She is 16 years old, about to apply to colleges, and she says, you know what, Linda, I really don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I don't know, so should I go to college right away should I delay college until I figure it out and then she told the story of her older sister who went to college right away thought she was doing the right thing and just bombed out of school a year and a half later got D's and F's and bombed out and then the older sister went to work in um, you know the business world for three years And then one day something landed on her doorstep and that was her calling and then she went back to college to finish. So now the older sister is headed to law school and now she knows exactly what she wants to do. So, Ray, her question to you is, I don't know what I want to do. So should I start school and then stop? Should I not start school at all because I don't know what she's supposed to do?
2: Well, uh, you were saying that she's how old, 16?
1: She's 16. She's now, you know, right at that juncture where she needs to apply to five or six colleges because, you know, you can't get into all of them. Um, so now is the time. So if she misses this window, it might be another year before she has this window again.
2: Well, the good thing uh, about uh, about her is that uh, <laughs> she's just starting out. I mean, 16 yeah. years old. Right. Uh, not many people know what they're supposed to do at 16 years old. I mean, right. Um, so she has a huge advantage in the fact that she's so young. Um, the one thing I'll say about college uh, is that college is is an is a an experience. Uh, college is a time in your life when you're going to be exposed to different ideas and to different people, and you'll make different friends. And uh, it, it's a whole unique experience unto itself. So I would uh, uh, definitely apply because uh, you're, you're so young and uh, you will experience different viewpoints and different, uh, ex- uh, different uh, uh, classes, and you'll be exposed to all of these different ideas And because you're so young, you still have a lot of time. I mean, if you, you go to school, let's say as an example, and let's say that you finish in four years, you're only going to be 20 years old. Yeah. And, and you'll have all of that experience under your belt and who knows, uh, maybe there's going to be that one class or that one teacher or that one experience or that group that you belong to that, uh, uh, that you're going to say, "Wow, okay, this is this is what I feel I need to be doing." So I would definitely apply right, because you're so young, and it is a unique experience, and you only have it one time.
1: Right, right. Um, I thoroughly agree with you that college, for me as well, was an experience. So my takeaway, and I went to a nice big college. I went to UCLA. My takeaway is not that I learned anything in specific and could use in real life, uh, but what I learned was discipline. I learned, you know, to stick to it, to study hard, be chained to your desk, and just have the discipline to finish something. And that lesson has served me very well in my life so it wasn't a practical education but like you say it was an experiential education which is also important so this young writer who um, you know wrote to us What I told her is, you know, maybe save your parents some money instead of going to a college, four-year college, maybe go to community college for two years and just get all the prerequisites out of the way because you have to do that part no matter what, whether you go to a four-year or a community college. Just get that out of the way, and maybe in two years' time, whatever it is you don't know today, maybe you'll have a little closer understanding at that juncture.
0: And of course,
1: course at that juncture, there's a lot of people that transfer to a four-year college to complete their degrees. And for other listeners, you know, sometimes college is not the answer. I know a lot of people, especially young men today, they're not even bothering with college. They're going to trade schools or they're finding, you know, on-the-job training or mentorships or, you know, other avenues other than college to get from point A to point B, which I, I totally applaud because they're looking at their op- options that it's not just a one, one-way one street here.
2: You know, the, uh, things have changed dramatically in, in the world over the last two years with the pandemic. Uh, I produced a, a an eight-part series with uh, many with eight of my Shark Tank entrepreneur friends, uh, video on demand series, and one of the key topics of that series is um, uh, uh, the the pivot and and uh, what they did uh, to pivot their business during the pandemic when it hit full force about two years ago, mm-hmm. and everything has changed. You know, in, in my book, I, I there's a section in there with Mister Wonderful uh, Shark Kevin O'Leary, Mister Wonderful. Yeah. And and he talks about this. He's very adamant about this, that uh, 55 percent of the workforce uh, is not is not coming back uh, to work ever.
1: Yeah.
0: Um,
2: And and so everything has changed dramatically. Uh, More people, you know, uh, when I look at the statistics for people who sign up for my um, uh, my my web series, um, about 95 percent of them uh, are checking out my, my, uh, my series and signing up on a desktop. So what mm. that's telling me is that they're in their offices or they're in their studios and they're spending a lot of time there. Uh, and, and that's where everything has shifted, everything has pivoted. And so we're never gonna go back. I mean, look at, look at the, the malls and retail is really struggling. Um, And they've been and especially when the pandemic hit, it just everything stopped. And and uh, a lot of my Shark Tank entrepreneur friends say that their their businesses actually uh, increased in sales by as much as 400 percent because they had everything online. Uh, They had a component already online uh, well before the pandemic hit. And so they were ready for it. And people staying home, they, they purchased all of their products uh, um, because they were staying home during the lockdown and couldn't go anywhere. So um, everything has uh, uh, shifted. It's going to continue to do that. I don't know if we're ever going to get back to uh, uh, those uh, uh, pre-pandemic levels. I don't, I don't believe so. I believe that everything has changed uh, and it will continue to change. But uh, the most important thing is that uh, uh, if you're a business owner, that you you pivot, like Mark Cuban calls the great pivot. Mm -hmm. I went from all of my live gigs that uh, basically disappeared overnight. I spent a year and a half putting my studio together. uh, And I produced my eight-part series. uh, uh, And and I'm still making uh, the pivot. I haven't made it all the way yet, but I'm almost there but i do everything from home now and uh that's the great advantage uh because now i don't have to uh travel anywhere uh uh, uh go to a live gig anywhere uh any anymore um, but it's all in the convenience of of my studio and that's that's where the future is which is right now and um and so you know it it, it is an exciting time because i'm looking forward to uh, the other possibilities and things that are going to be happening although uh we're we're in a recession and it's not going to get any better uh I think it's going to get a lot harder for a lot of people because we're in, you know I mean who's heard of a uh, 6 and 7 dollar uh uh gas a uh, gallon gas prices that's that's just astronomical what's going on right now
1: right right everything has gone up <laughs> Mm. I need I need to replace my air conditioner and I'm I'm I did d- do some uh what do you call it when you interview three different companies? Um, I did do that last year, and I'm like an idiot kicking myself that I should have like followed through and finished the job last year. And I'm sure it's like double now.
3: Anything oh, to yeah. do with
1: construction is you know, putting in a new HVAC. I'm sure it's uh, double. But anyway, that's how it goes. And at the market too. I mean, I used to go to the market. Used to be like 90 bucks, whatever. Now it's like 140 bucks for the same stuff. Yeah. So, well, you inflation know, it's crazy. is.
2: Yeah. Inflation is here. I mean, if, if, uh, if, you know, it's the worst it's been in 40 over 40 years and the, uh, proudest price index, uh, you know, where the, uh, uh, companies get their wholesale goods from, uh, mm-hmm. is that historic inflation at 11.4%. It has never been that high ever in its history. Um, so the one thing that's going on right now is, is uh, without getting political or anything, but
1: yeah, uh, <laughs> that if,
2: if, if those people, uh, that are in charge of running our government right now from the top on down to the bottom, if they worked for me, I would have fired them a long time ago.
1: Seriously, I wish that were the case. I wish we could treat it just like a company or a corporation. This is ridiculous.
2: Yeah, it didn't it's have ridiculous. to be that way. Yeah, it didn't. And no. the sad part is it didn't have to be that way. But this is an opportunity. I only bring this up, Belinda, because this is an, uh, uh, an opportunity to think creative and, and a lot of wonderful opportunities to create new products, new businesses, new services. That also is part of the equation here. Um and it depends on what you're going to be focusing on. Are you going to focus on the half the glass half empty or are you going to focus on the glass half full? And this is what I love about Shark. I love the show because you see uh people like you and I that are uh coming up with solutions to problems and challenges that and uh, that that we all face and they're coming up with these wonderful products and services to to uh um to help everybody and uh, this is what i love about the show so much it's uh, innovation at its best and we all have that within ourselves and right now is the perfect opportunity um uh, what, what was it that uh, somebody said at the boot camp that uh uh, I hear that there's a recession here, and I refuse to to participate in it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you know uh, that's how I feel it's it it's there's wonderful opportunities here. All you have to do is just um, uh you know seize it, go after it, and don't stop until you get it so I think
1: what you're trying to say is along with the pivot or the hardship, or the lockdown, like whatever the negative narrative is going on, um, you're saying, look for the silver lining, that yes, this may be hard what you're going through right now, this moment, but look for what positive can become of this horrible situation.
2: That, and also, uh, Linda, uh, you know, when I was out on the road, uh, you know, I... I struggled with my illness and I was in tremendous amount of pain when I was on a plane and, and doing the traveling. Mm-hmm. And then when it was time for me to, to, uh, uh produce, uh, and moderate my panel presentation, you know, uh, I, adrenaline kicked in and, and I was excited and, and it was a wonderful event. But then when I would get home and I would be wiped out for a week or two. Um, but I'm always saying that to, uh, not to impress anybody, but to impress upon everybody that, Uh, where your focus is, that's where your success is going to be. And it doesn't matter about your circumstances. Don't let your circumstances define who you are, man. You just go out and you get it. Mm, I love that. All right.
1: We have a few uh, minutes left of the show. If you want to hop on and ask Ray a question or give us a comment with regard to uh, businesses that you're thinking of or want to do or strengths, weaknesses, what have you. That's what we're here to talk about today. Ray swam with the sharks, and so can you, and you can be successful too. So hop on, 323-642-1677. 323-642-1677, or catch me on the chat line, blogtalkradio.com, blogtalkradio.com, forward slash DT, Linda Gross. You can check out Ray's book, Crush It Successfully. On Amazon just look at the links below or on my social media just uh, click on it and away you go also he's got an eight-part series Um, they are eight half-hour segments they're free to his audience just go on his website and these are elements correct me if I'm wrong Ray Ray these are elements that will help teach the the reader or the viewer how to find out what they're great at is that right
2: well uh, it it part part of it is that uh, Linda the other part is uh, uh, mainly what it is about is uh this series f- uh focuses on uh uh pandemic strategies uh uh for increasing your sales and visibility for your business. Mm-hmm. Um I I I specifically uh uh selected 8 of uh these great Shark Tank entrepreneurs and asked them what they did during the pandemic uh to grow their business and and they talked about specifically their strategies what they have done during this time uh so it kind of focuses a little more on that my book focuses more on um on you know uh uh finding what you're great at but but the uh, the, the series is kind of the foundation for all things crush it successfully and you can find that by going to uh the website is a little different it's collegeentrepreneurmindset.com it's a little long but right. uh, uh, it's collegeentrepreneurmindset.com, and um, and uh, just enter your email, your name, your your email, and after the first obligatory few messages, for eight days in a row, in your box you'll get a full 30-minute video segment with these great entrepreneurs from Shark Tank.
1: I love that, and it's so fresh. It's it's relating to the pandemic, so it's right off the press, there, guys. So. Make sure you get that done. So, Ray, in your opinion, what do you think are some of the missing ingredients with a lot of today's business pundits? Like, whoa, how are they missing the boat? Well, How is your system different than what they're saying?
2: Well, I think practicality, uh, Linda. I, I think, uh, you know, um, my wife always says this, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're, we're watching. Uh, there's a lot of programs out there, man. There's too many people talking, you know. Yeah. There's too many experts uh Um, everybody's got an opinion on something yeah you know um but uh to me uh practicality and experiential type of uh you know i i i don't ever ask anybody to do anything that i have not done myself Mm -hmm. so uh experiential uh uh uh, learning and those types of things that, uh, people that have gone on before and have done some great things. Uh, uh, those are the types of people that I gravitate toward, you know, uh, for instance, like, uh, one of my favorite stories is, um, the great, um, George Lucas who started star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought his book, his autobiography and I read it in just about one day. It was just unbelievable. But we're talking about a guy that, uh, you know, uh, uh, started uh, wrote star Wars and, and he had his script and he took it to Hollywood and all of those so-called experts uh, laughed him out of town. They said it was the stupidest idea. It would never work. Uh, you know, get out of here. You know, you're crazy. And it was only until he, he had a success uh, with American graffiti when he made that movie that he had the money uh, to produce uh, uh, star Wars to start that project. And, uh, And, of course, he started it, and he was the first one to merchandise uh, 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 his movie with all of these products and toys and games.
1: Yes, endless.
2: Yeah, and and nobody had thought of that before uh, to that that extent, to that level. You know, Francis Ford Coppola did the same thing. When he took the Godfather uh, script around, everybody, nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted it. Everybody thought it was the the, the craziest thing, and it was not going to work. And then uh, when he... When it became a huge success, everybody wanted a part of him, you know. And so, um, uh, those are the types of of of, uh, of people that you want to follow, man. You you know, you, you, there's there's just be cautious of all of the experts. Look at what somebody's uh, somebody's behavior. If you look at somebody's behavior, that's going to define who they are, man. When people see me uh, and they see photos of me online and, and, and that they see this guy in front uh, in front of audiences with a whole panel of shark tank entrepreneurs, man. And so they, they know that I'm for real. They know that, okay, well, this guy has got things going on uh, versus someone who's sitting up in a, in a high rise who's, uh, you know, uh, not to down this, but who's got, you know, 50 degrees and whatever. And they've written, you know, uh, a thousand articles on something, but where's your practical experience? Where, where's the, there has to be a, a balance between the two. So, um, uh, just be very careful and, 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 and look for those people that you admire. Look for those people that, you, uh, that have done things, that, where you want to go. I've always looked up to George Lucas. Uh, he's a maverick. He got away from Hollywood and start, started uh, his studios in, in Northern California in, in Marin, uh, mm-hmm. Skywalker Studios, because he couldn't stand Hollywood and the hypocrisy. And uh, and he, he, uh, he moved his studios up there. And, of course, the rest is history. So those are the type of people that I look to. You should uh, look for those people as well.
1: Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, you know, his legacy, Lucas's legacy, was he revolutionized how people are paid. So he was mm-hmm. the first one to come up with you know, you can just pay me scale. I I don't know how much a director's scale is. Let's call it, you know, $100,000 for an A-list movie. I don't know. You you guys can correct me. But um, anyway, he says, you can pay me scale, but what I want, is a cut on the back end.
2: Uh, absolutely. I'll, I'll yeah. take
1: 5% on the back end. They're like, Wow, well, you're crazy. Are you sure? You know, somebody of your caliber, he was successful with American graffiti. As you say, we're not going to give you 100000 You know, we'll give you 250000 or whatever the number was. And he goes, no, no, just pay me scale and I'll take the cut on the back end. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> well, exactly. He ended up making the, like, the most money. I don't know what the total figure was, but it was... Something like half a billion dollars or whatever in, in box office revenue, uh, way uh, leaps and bounds above, you know, probably like a thousand times more than all, like the next closest compa- competing movie. So mm-hmm. as a result of that, all the subsequent A-listers, they're like, well, we're going to do what he does. Just pay a scale and we'll take a cut on the back end.
0: Right,
2: exactly. So, uh, that's a brilliant. good that's- that's a yeah. great point. I'm glad that you brought that up, uh, Linda. That's, that's so important. Uh, that's thinking outside of the box, man. That's thinking into the future, seeing the whole picture. Uh, and uh, if, uh, if there's one thing that I can leave your audience before our time here is, uh, you know, see the whole picture. Uh, you know, what you're doing. Uh, uh, when, when I wrote my book in the beginning here, uh, that was only one part of, uh, of this whole picture. Uh, there was the, the other components that went with it. And so uh, see that whole picture. Uh, make sure that your vision is, is, is complete. It's well-rounded uh, because there's going to be different parts to, uh, to your success. And uh, not just one over here, but it's going to be uh, a few that, uh, that uh, uh, are necessary for you to be successful so don't ever lose sight of that. Um and, and and make sure that your your vision is is really, really big. Don't be afraid. Like Damon John says, uh, it takes just as much energy to think small as it does big.
1: True. And you know what? If you feel it in your gut, no matter how crazy the idea, your gut is always right. Just stick to it and you could be the next next Lucas out there. So just stick to it. Absolutely. Um, Ray, if you don't mind, if you do have just a few extra minutes, maybe like five minutes, I, we did have a couple of quick topics um, if you If you have the time, I'll, I'll go into some of those additional ones.:
2: uh, Sure, go ahead, Linda.
1: All right. Awesome. So you were, you know, of course, you did have a a lot of studio success working for KRLA Los Angeles, and you wanted to impart that knowledge. And you were saying to our listeners, set up your studio for success. Tell us a little bit more about that. And this is so relevant now with everybody at home doing their Zoom classes and everything else. Go for it. How should they set up their studio? Uh,
2: Great question. And I'm glad that you asked that because uh, that's so important. Um, And the good thing about setting up your studio is that uh, it doesn't cost a fortune to do that anymore. Uh, You just have to know uh, what components are most important. And once you build that solid foundation, then you can add extra pieces that are more expensive if you want to uh, or whatever you want to do. But always remember this, that, the number one uh the number one item that is is most important is going to be your sound. Because you can have uh a, an okay um a visual, let's say that you 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 have a visual and audio, you're doing a podcast. Uh but if your sound is not all the way, people are going to turn off. So the number one thing to remember is that your sound uh has to be of uh, of of really high of really good quality really really good quality you can get i have a couple of microphones here that i I purchased uh, and and you don't ever want to buy new you want to, you can buy good use just, they have so much equipment out there now like on offer up I got both of my my, my microphones samson the Samson q2 u and the Samson q9 u which was the uh, latest version very powerful uh, wonderful microphones um, I got both of those for about a uh, $120 for both of them. Wow. Um, uh, retail, uh, they were brand new, except uh, you know, they, the, the, the people didn't, the, you know, they, they bought them and then they just didn't want anything to do with podcasting anymore.
3: Mm-hmm. And I
2: bought them, they were just, the boxes weren't even open. You know, they was brand new. Wow. Uh, they just wanted to get rid of them. Uh, if I had a bottom new, it would have cost about $370, something like that. So I saved a lot of money. And um, so I use the Samsung Q Q not Q2U and the Q9U microphones, and they're very comparable to the industry standard, which is, is that the SM7B the shear the shear microphones, which are uh, what they use on the broadcast radio along with the roadcasters. But always buy a, a good used microphone, and then what you want to do is you want to have a uh, 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 an interface that goes with it. I use the um, the interface. There's a sound boost that gives you. That round, fat studio radio quality um, sound, and it boosts your signal and it makes it rounder and deeper and fatter uh, than if you just plug in your uh, uh, your USB uh, into your computer. So uh, I use the Shure X2U, and it's a portable interface that boosts my signal, that brings a lot of of, of, of power to it, and then on my um, and you can get that for like uh you can get a good use when I was just looking at, at at those online for like forty dollars now. I mean <laughs> they're they're just uh wow. they're they're so you wanna have that and then um, what I love about the Samson microphones is that they're both USB and XLR. Meaning that yeah. you can use a microphone cord of course and plug it in uh plug in or you can use a USB uh, uh cord to plug into your computer or your hub, whatever you want to use.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, but
2: um the uh, the X2U the Sure X2U interface you can only plug that in with an XLR cord. So uh, because um, my microphone has both, it, it it allows me to do that. So I just plug in with an XLR cord into my interface. Practice with the different levels, and then uh, it it I plug it in I plug that into uh, my USB uh, hub, and so I'm able to get the sound that I that I get. Um, I also use it it's also advantageous uh to uh you know when you if you have cameras I use the uh Logitech uh, C920s um
1: Wait, Ray, Ray, before you go on to the camera issue, I just wanted to make a quick comment on the audio. When I first met you, I think we were on a Zoom call with the boot campers, with our marketing group. Uh, Not only me, but other people, we all noticed that, of course, you have a melodious voice, a nice, deep, resonating voice. Of course. And of course, you have radio experience. But I, in particular, was blown away. I'm like, I'm not an audiophile, but I am blown away with how you sound. And so I'm so thankful that you kind of went into specifics. Those of you who are thinking of doing this professionally, or even if you're not, even if you're just doing Zoom calls with your, with your office meetings or what have you, you know, you really can be a standout. I agree with Ray. If the sound quality is a number one, so thanks yeah. for sharing those tips.
2: Oh, you're welcome. And uh, I'm glad that you say that because feedback. Uh, you know, I got so much feedback from that uh, um, uh, from the you know the the uh, the group. Yeah, uh, I got a lot of comments and everything. But, but one thing I want to do say about this, and, and I'm glad that you brought that up, Linda, because uh, uh, you know I've been at this now for a number of years, uh, and and um, I still get up every, every morning early, and uh, after my morning coffee and prayers and, and scheduling, uh, mm-hmm. I set up my studio, and I practice for an hour. Wow. Every morning, I set up my studio. I have my checklist. I go through everything, and I hit that record button, and I practice and practice and practice every single day. I'm still now, at it.
1: Now tell us what that looks like. You, you're reading from a script or like, well, tell us what the word practice means. In Practice
2: your... means uh, what I do is um, I practice um, uh, my intros. Uh, I, 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 what I do is I have a program that's called the open broadcast source. It's a OBS program. It's, a, it's, a, um, it's an open source program for video. Uh-huh. And what it allows you to do is it it uh, it, it allows you to uh, have different functionalities when you're speaking with uh, it allows you to 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 have different settings for different camera angles. Uh, uh-huh. And it allows you to play videos when you're talking or, or it allows you to to, to pan off to, to photos or a combination of everything. It's called hotkeys and, and you program your different keys for whatever you want to show when you're talking to your audience. Mm -hmm. So what I'll do is uh, I will practice those every morning. Uh, Let's say that I'm I'm, I, I practice my intro and then I go into talking about my book and I hit a hit a key and my book uh, uh, image shows up when I'm talking. I hit another hot key on my keyboard that I program in and it goes to the videos of my um, my crush it successfully videos while I'm talking over it and then I hit another hotkey and it brings me back in uh uh you can see me on on my computer f- from whatever camera that I want and then I hit another hotkey and it goes to a whole different camera angle it goes to my DSLR camera which is like a Sony 5007 or excuse me 5001 um, camera that I use Uh, It's a DSLR camera versus the uh, Logitech cameras. Mm -hmm. So I practice that and I record it, you know, just like I'm doing a live show. And I do that every morning. uh, uh, I'm doing that. And and what I want to say is so important, Linda, about this is that, you know, um, your microphone is only going to transmit what is inside of you so a microphone will not make your voice it just is a conduit that amplifies what is already inside you and that's why practicing is so important because you have to get your proper wind and your proper technique and then you listen back to yourself over and over again and um i constantly work on it every day it just doesn't it just doesn't happen i'm i'm very conscientious about you know, my improvement. And I can hear things. I can hear a lot of things that the, 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 the majority of people um, probably can't hear. I hear them. If something's mm. a little off, I'll hear it. <laughs> <Okay. know>? so, <laughs> so that's that's what I want to emphasize here. A microphone is only as good as you are. And so that's why practicing and practicing correctly, recording it and listening, listening back to yourself is so important.
1: I love that. So you're saying it's sort of like an opera singer that before he or she starts to practice the actual song that they're doing scales for, I don't know, 45 minutes or whatever, you oh. know, just kind of warming up the chords and the, you know, the what have you, the timing, the pacing, the, the pitch, the whatever it is, you know, they're, they're doing the practice. You know, they're doing, they're doing scales. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, look at the greatest golfers. I mean, you know, like Tiger Woods and all these people. Uh, yeah, they practice every day. You know, they're out there early in the morning yeah. practicing and practicing, and it never ends. I mean, and and um, so you know, the the, the equipment. Um, that's uh, that's what I would suggest uh, that uh, you start with. Uh, always, always buy used. Uh, you don't ever want to buy new because there's just so much equipment out there. There's a lot of different microphones that I, that I uh, worked with in the past. There's the Yeti blue microphones that are the USB microphones, multi-directional if you want to use those, those okay. are decent. Um, uh, but for me personally, you know, I, 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 uh, when I was in broadcast radio, that sound really stuck in, in my ears. And uh, I looked for something to replicate that sound and, and And we have now the technology to do that, you know, um, yeah uh, so uh that's those are the basics um for for your sound, and always remember that your sound is number one, that's always going to be the most important aspect of your studio.
1: Love that. I cut you off. Did you want to say anything more about the camera?
2: Oh uh, well, I use the uh, I have a, an older Sony 5000 uh, DSLR camera that I use, um, and it's still that that camera still looks really great. Um, it's an older camera; it's like it's about four years old. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, and then I I use also the Logitech C920s. Um, uh, those are the uh, portable cameras, uh, and they have a really clear uh, visual with that uh, as well. Those are very good as well. So I use a combination of those two and I tie it into the, uh, uh open broadcast source, uh, uh, software. Uh, okay. and I use, a there's a thing called a video capture card, uh, that you hook up your, um, your cameras to that, uh, will transmit that signal, uh, from your camera, from your DSLR camera. Um, and, uh, Uh, So that's uh, that's what I use uh, uh, in my gear, in my equipment. Um, So, um, you know, those are things that I I learned how to do. Uh, That's what took me about a little over a year to uh, configure my studio to how I it's most functional for me. I I, I went on YouTube and I found out found some really great people that I, I could learn from. And then I called and asked questions and asked some of my friends and colleagues who have studios. And I was eventually able to learn all of the basics on this um, with sound and with visual and with uh, the uh, software to, to tie everything in. Um, so uh, those those are the basics. Uh, I mean, it's there's, there's so much more than that. But those are the basics of an overview of uh, of what you want to look for uh, for putting your studio together.
1: I love that we appreciate it and we we all noticed so i mean it wasn't just me i think you can attest there were like five or six other people who also said similar things so good job on that
2: (laughs) oh thank you linda i greatly appreciate it i greatly i greatly appreciate you and your and your feedback uh you know you're a veteran of this you know so i i greatly appreciate that coming from my peers it, it means a lot thank you
1: all right did you want to say anything real quick about monetizing and sponsorships
2: uh, I'll hit on uh, so I'll hit on that pretty uh, you know quickly here uh, you know when I, you want to have something tangible that you take to organizations uh, uh, you know for me uh, and you want to have subject matter that is really, really relevant because the bottom line is that uh, when you're working with organizations, of course, uh, they want uh, they want the benefit to their organization. What are you going to do to benefit them, okay? but you have to also have a subject matter that stands out
1: mm-hmm. you know
2: when 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 i went on tour my subject matter was so different and so unique uh because i was actually bringing the shark tank entrepreneurs in a live right. setting <clears throat> and of course the, the everybody gravitated towards that what they some of the organizations uh uh, uh wanted me to open up uh, the um uh the speaking portion of their programs as uh, a way to bring in more people for their keynote speakers. And what started happening was that I had more people uh, opening up the show, opening up uh, the the conference. And then once my panel was over, then they would leave. And then the, the keynote speakers that they, they had a hard time, you know, filling the uh, 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 the, the seats. So mm-hmm. you have to uh, have. A really great subject matter and uh, that's going to be captivating that's going to be interesting compelling but it's going to be very very different so with that in mind I mean uh, just a quick example you know everybody uh, let's say for instance of uh, uh, social media that you got a, a social media person that they talk about uh, you know getting your visibility and how many times uh, uh, you know you should be posting on social media and and uh, interaction with everyone, that type of thing. That's important. Okay. I get that, Mm -hmm. but it's not exciting. Okay. It, 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 it's, it's, um, social media is here to stay like Damon John says, but it's not really exciting. Okay. You want something that's going to pique the interest of your audience, a subject matter. And, you know, I thought to myself, uh, you know, Shark Tank is, uh, is, a I mean, it's moving into what they're, they're, they're filming for. It's 14th season now, and it's still winning its time slot on Friday night. It's still winning mm-hmm. its 18 to 49 demographic, which is astounding.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And um, so when I would uh, take it out on tour, uh, uh, the, the, the young entrepreneurs were excited about it. The older entrepreneurs were excited about it, and it generated a lot of buzz, and it was very different. Nobody had that. Nobody had it in that capacity that I had because I was the guy that, uh, you know, I spent an enormous amount of of time in studio uh, and researching these entrepreneurs. And so uh, I could ask questions and I knew things about them uh, that that nobody knew because I spent all that time uh, preparing and everything. So it set me apart from everything. So make sure that your subject matter is going to be compelling and it's going to be different. What is it different uh, that, that is going to have, um, uh, that people are going to be drawn to? And so make sure that, that you do your research, that you do uh, your homework, and whatever that is, whatever that, 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 that subject matter is, make sure it's going to be different from what everybody else is doing.
1: Yeah, that one-liner that I toured with Shark Tank contestants, I mean, that will open up any door. I mean, it's almost the equivalent of saying, hey, I used to work for Oprah or something. I mean, it's people definitely want to know more. So whatever the audience's field is, look for that one-liner, that one sentence that's going to make the person say, what, Ray, what are you talking about? What did you do? How did How did you do it? You know, when they're asking you questions, there's definitely interest there. And you could spin that into a talk or a presentation or or a blog or a podcast or however creatively you want to spin that.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely, Linda. I totally agree with you.
1: And then lastly, and then we'll close out the show. I'm sorry I've kept you here so long. Stop me if you if you want Um, two or three of your secrets for how to be a great keynote speaker.
2: Oh, great question. Outstanding question. Uh, You know, most of us are aware of there's an organization uh, called Toastmasters. Um, Yeah, uh, I know. I know a lot of people that went through the program many, 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 many years ago. I used to belong to a a chapter of Toastmasters. And, um, you know, I, I, I was invited back about three, four years ago. Uh, There was a chapter here in L.A. and I went, you know, I I went, but uh, I realized uh, uh, without disrespecting anybody in that organization, because they've done a lot of good for a lot of speakers. But I basically believe that uh, their model is pretty antiquated, um,
3: Mm
2: -hmm. you know, because uh, uh, it takes forever just to get through the basic uh, 10 speeches that uh, supposedly build your foundation but i found a way that that cuts from point a to point b and i talk about this in my book uh about uh, you, that you don't need that much experience uh, uh from what i discovered uh, on on how to do this and how you do that is uh, I'll, I'll give a small example of this is uh you put together a panel presentation you put mm-hmm. together a panel of of uh of uh in my instance a, a, a different shark tank entrepreneurs and and um The secret to this is I did a tremendous amount of research and spent a tremendous amount of time in studio getting to know these entrepreneurs and what they went through in my research. So by the time I got on stage, it was second nature to me. And I didn't have, I mean, I had an hour for a a keynote presentation and a panel presentation, which went by very, very quick. But, um, Uh, if if you're a speaker and you don't have that much experience, the the key to everything is doing your pre-work and your pre-research and whatever subject matter it is. And if you go on stage, especially if you, this is why I recommend having a panel because uh, you don't have to memorize a keynote. You don't have to practice a keynote. You go up there with your specific questions and you ask, uh, after your introduction, then you ask the different panelists uh, 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 different questions of your subject-specific material that you prepared and worked on beforehand. And your job as a as a moderator, you're, you're still a speaker. You're up there on stage with them. Your job is to make sure that the the the, the uh, your panel is being uh, paced and they're being um, involved and they don't waver, and that you read your audience. That they're connecting with the questions you asked and the, and the pacing and the subject matter of what you're bringing in. And it's very different from a keynote speaker. Keynote speakers, you know, they practice and practice and practice and, and go over everything. And they have, uh, you know, 30 minutes, uh, uh, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour where they're up there and they're speaking to an audience making, and they're having to be highly, highly engaged. But this is kind of a shortcut where, in essence, you're kind of hiding behind your cushion of your panel. You just have to make sure everybody's engaged. And that is a nugget of gold that, you know, when I started um, uh, my panel presentations, Linda, um, uh, people wanted them right away. And and, uh, I, I didn't have much time to prepare, but I did all of that research and spending time producing segments with all of them. So it was second nature to me when I went on. I just had to make sure everybody was involved. I didn't have to prepare a 30-minute a keynote. I just prepared my questions, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I was off to the races.
1: I love that. That is a golden nugget right there. I noticed that – plus it also – having a panel takes the pressure off of you, Um, I noticed that a lot of podcasters, it is so infinitely difficult to be a solo podcaster because basically you're just doing a monologue. Very hard to talk for, to me, to talk for, you know, minutes on end for an hour on end just by yourself. It's so much easier. A lot of podcasters do have co-hosts. And that way you can bounce ideas off of each other. It's less preparation. It's more spontaneous. And it just seems more real because it's conversational. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's a, a great tip and with regard to the other thing that you said um, I know that when I'm invited to be a keynote speaker I follow the advice of being 110 percent prepared so like I might have my speech ready to go and it's practiced and you know rehearsed and I'm confident about it and all that kind of stuff but I always prepare more than what the speech is and the reason why is somebody from the audience might ask a question or give a comment or whatever and you don't want to be caught short not knowing what that answer is especially when it relates to your topic. So just, you know, if if you don't need the extra preparation fine, but I've found that it almost always comes in handy the little extra work that I did always comes in handy you look like a star.
2: Yeah, always be prepared. Uh, you're right on 110% on that Linda. You can never uh you can never over prepare. I mean, <laughs> When you're when we're alive, when we're uh, so many things have happened with you, and I know with me, uh, there was one instance here um, where I was in Newport Beach, uh, uh, producing my panel presentation for the NACE organization, the National Association uh, for Community College uh, for Entrepreneurship, uh, great great organization, huge organization, mm. and I had a, a an intro that was going to be about five to seven minutes with slides and everything, and and and, and so when Uh, They started when uh, my slide presentation started. It was completely backwards. It was in the opposite order of what I wanted.
0: Oh, shoot. So
2: right on the spot, I just just improvised. I I improvised everything, Uh, threw everything out on that split second and just started talking of some of the stories of of my work with the entrepreneurs. And then I introduced them in. And the lesson here is this, is that your audience uh, doesn't know what you're going to be talking about. So, whatever you say is going to be correct, only you do, and that's why I like you're talking about your preparation, yeah, uh be ready for anything you're you're hundred and ten percent correct on that that's outstanding,
1: yep. I agree with you on that one, too. Whenever you're live and if you make a mistake, just keep, just keep going. Just roll with it because you're, it's a glaring mistake to you, but nobody else knows what you're doing. You know, they probably didn't that's even right. hear you or watch you or whatever the deal is, is just keep going. And if you do need to correct yourself and say, the, say it a different way or whatever, that's fine, too. Just keep going. It's a live show. What are you going to do?
2: Absolutely. They're not going to know either way what what you have planned. Only you do, so it's correct for them.
1: <laughs> exactly. All right. I'm going to bring our show to a close. I thank you for these extra minutes. You have been a delightful uh, guest and co-host here, and I really, really appreciate it. We'll have to do it again sometime. So thank you again. And for my audience, you can see Ray's links to the book as well as the uh, eight-segment classes that he's talking about. Just click on the links below or in my social media, and away you go. You can find out more information. So thank you so much, Ray. I really appreciate your being here.
2: Uh, Thank you so much, Linda. You are absolutely awesome. Uh, Continued success to you with your great work and purpose. Um, And um, I am looking forward to this again. You are just uh, wonderful. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Oh, thank you so much. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Mm Bye-bye. All right. There goes Ray. Okay. So um, if any of you missed last week's show, we were talking about Are there really plenty of fish in the sea? And I want you to join my guest from last week, Jonathan Alexander. He also is a host right here on Blog Talk Radio, and the name of his show is Life, Laughter, and Happiness. And I wanted you guys to join us on not only this topic, but he brought other common dating myths, well... We think they're myths, but I don't know if you think they're they're truisms or what. And we discover this on the show. So, are there plenty of fish in the sea and a few other ones? Uh, I want you to decide. So, if you miss that show, find it right here on Blog Talk Radio in the archives, or you can go to soundcloud TuneIn, in itunes and now on spotify all of those links are right here in the picture carousel uh, right here on the show information um, of blog talk radio and click there and catch up <laughs> do a little binge listening if you're a new listener right okay and what else have we got for you oh um let us Let's see. Let's give a shout out to Aaron Clary, one of the sponsors of my show. Take it away. My friend and colleague, Aaron Clary, he has a brand new book out. It's called The Menu, Life Without the Opposite Sex. So for all of human history, men and women have come together to form families. It may have been common. It may have been routine but that's what they did. Generation after generation for all of human history, men and women formed families. Well, that is until now. So he is answering the question for you, is partnering up good for you in 2022? (laughs) I know many men would say not so much, right? All right. So you got to check out his new book. It's called The Menu I'll put it in my social media link so you can just click on it. You can catch it on Amazon. It's doing super well. The menu. Catch that. All right? Thank you again, everybody, for joining our special show today. I really loved having you be here. Please uh, like, like and subscribe to our show. Tell your friends and family the more the merrier, right? And we will catch you next time right here on Blog Talk Radio. We'll catch you next week on the Men's Advocate Show. Bye for now.